Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to Hitchens on Horror. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and thank you for joining me for our series, Twelve Nights of Terror, where we talk about the best in holiday fear. This is night number two, Tales from the Crypt, 1972 and 1989. So, this is the only double feature that I'm going to be doing for 12 Nights of Terror. If you listen to 62 horror movies, and if you haven't, you can always go back and do so anytime you want. Um, But those episodes were all double, double features, two movies per episode, linked by similar themes. But 12 Nights of Terror were examining just one film at a time, except for tonight. Because Tales from the Crypt, 1972, were own, it's an anthology film from Amicus Productions, and I love me, myself, an Amicus horror anthology film. I covered two of them during 62 horror movies, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors and The House That Dripped Blood. But Amicus also made not just one, but two films that were adaptations of stories from EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt in 1972, followed by The Vault of Horror in 1973. And we're going to be talking about only one of the segments in the 1972 Tales from the Crypt, an adaptation of a story called And All Through the House. And that story, And All Through the House, was remade for the 19... 89 HBO TV series version of Tales from the Crypt. It was the second episode of its first season, though it was actually the first episode filmed. Uh, it was aired second. And, and All Through the House is a really, really terrific story, and we're going to get into it very, very soon. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the history of EC Comics, because I think it's an important history uh, and important in the history of horror hosting, um, the birth of it, some have said, and I certainly agree. So uh, EC Comics started out in the 1940s as uh, educational comics, and it was run by a gentleman named Max Gaines. Uh, Max Gaines, in 1947, died in a boating accident, and his son, William Gaines, then became head of EC Comics, and he rebranded it as Entertaining Comics. So we go from educational comics to entertaining comics. And uh, William Gaines introduced into their publishing line a series of several horror and science fiction-themed comic books, such as Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear. They also had uh, Shock Suspend stories, which was um, almost like a film noir-ish kind of thing with uh, more modern contemporary social issues, and also fantasy uh, science fiction 
uh, comics, uh, weird science and weird fantasy. And these were enormously successful. Um, and of course, were most widely read by young children, because children are, you know, the biggest consumers of comic books. And the thing about um, these horror comics in particular is they were known for their very gory and gruesome subject matter um, with their shock twist endings, but also they're very, very uh, moral um, in their way too. You know, if you were a person who did bad things, you generally got what was coming to you and you got what was coming to you in the most grisly way possible. Uh, one of the most famous uh, EC Comics horror stories um, is baseball themed, um, whereas Revenge... A baseball team uh, invites a player to a special midnight game, and then the comic cuts to a couple hours later, and it's clear that they have killed the baseball player, and they're using his skull as the baseball, his organs are the different bases and home plate, and all of this is depicted in glorious living color. Uh, so they became very beloved by a huge amount of people, but also very controversial as well. Um, similarly to how in the 1980s and 1990s, there was that huge cultural debate about how violent video games were making children and adolescents more violent, which is bullshit. Um, and I think we've moved on from that now. Um, but it was a similar thing in the 1950s for comic books, and EC Comics is really the reason why um, adults, you know, just were outraged by, you know, the horror and the gore um, and death and witchcraft and monsters and any manner of things that were in EC Comics. But what they also, people also became outraged about with EC Comics is that not only did EC Comics tell great horror and suspense and science fiction stories, but they were also extremely, extremely progressive for the 1950s, um, running many stories that were focused on civil rights, the rights of black people, um, and all, and uh, diff many, many different social topics at the time, uh, which the, the right did not approve of. Um, so that led to the comics eventually being censored, um, the comics code being created in the, in the 1950s, and that censor censorship caused EC Comics to basically fold, except for one. Um, they are also the creators of Mad Magazine, um, which a subsidiary of, EC of what is left of EC Comics still publishes to this day. Um, EC Comics is very notable as well because its three main horror comics, Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear, they each had their own, what we now call a horror host. Tales from the Crypt was, of course, hosted by the Crypt Keeper, The Vault of Horror was hosted by the Vault Keeper, and The Haunt of Fear was hosted by the Old Witch. And they would introduce each story in each issue, um, in, usually with 
great, delicious, macabre black humor um, in their dialogue, you know, calling them like, welcome kitties or welcome boils and ghouls and things like that. Um, they would al- And they would always make a sardonic quip at the end of the story as well um, after that shock twist ending had happened. And sometimes they would pop up within the stories as well. And as the comics went on, the three hosts, the Crypt Keeper, the Vault Keeper, and the Old Witch, um, they, they, there was a rivalry between them. So they sometimes popped up in each other's comic books, taunting one another. It was great, great fun. And I, it, many people have argued, and I think justly, that EC Comics invented the idea of the horror host as we know it today. Because EC Comics, especially its horror comics, were very popular in the 40s and early to mid-1950s. And then by the end of the 1950s, you start to have the very first horror hosts on television. And as I spoke about briefly in 62 62 horror movies, the first horror hosts on television were Mela Nurmi as Vampira in Los Angeles and John Zacherly as Roland, uh, originally in Philadelphia, and then he moved to New York City and started calling himself Zacherly. Um, And Zacherly is the horror host that generations of subsequent hosts were influenced by, and he continued to do his gig up until his death when he was in his 90s, Um, which is all, which is great. So uh, EC Comics is very important historically for that reason as well, and it's part of the reason why I'm here today. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, the comic book, along with The Vault of Horror and The Haunt of Fear, influenced generations of young childhood readers who then went on to become authors and filmmakers themselves. Among them, some of the most famous, were Stephen King and George A. Romero. And they were originally, uh, in, the, in the late 70s, they thought about making their own Tales from the Crypt movie, which then morphed into their brilliant 1982 horror anthology film, Creep Show, um, written by Stephen King, directed by George A. Romero, all because of EC Comics. So, after that history lesson, uh, to why we are here tonight, and all through the house... Um, is the story that we're that we're ta- that we're talking about here, and and all through the house uh, originally uh, was uh, in the Vault of Horror issue number thirty five um, in the nineteen fifties, and it is the sweet sweet tale of a wife who decides to murder her husband for his money um, on Christmas Eve while their daughter Carol sleeps upstairs. I always like that touch that the daughter's name is Carol, you know, echoing a Christmas Carol. And as the wife is trying to cover up her crime and make it look like her husband fell down the stairs, had an accident, uh, there's a radio announcement saying that a lunatic has escaped from the local insane asylum and is in the area dressed in a Santa Claus costume. And this crazy man in a Santa Claus costume appears at the house and menaces the wife and she has to try and lock the doors, make sure all the windows are shut and that the killer Santa can't get in. Um, And then things happen. And I wonder if this is 
really the first instance of a killer Santa Claus. I don't I haven't really been able to find anything pre the original comic in the 1950s um, that has a, a murder Santa as American Horror Story so memorably put it. Um, so that's really exciting. And if you go on YouTube, some kind soul, actually has uploaded a video of the original and all through the house comic from the Haunt of Fear um, with voice acting behind it. So you can actually watch that and see the, the story in its original form. Then 1972, Amicus Productions made their film version of Tales from the Crypt, starring Ralph Richardson as the Crypt Keeper. And uh, the Crypt Keeper in the 1972 movie is very different from how he's depicted in the comics and in the subsequent TV series, in that he's more like sort of a sinister monk sort of thing. Um, and Ralph Richardson filmed all his scenes in just one day, and I'm sure was paid quite a lot of money for his time. And Tales from the Crypt is a really, really enjoyable movie, as all of the Amicus horror anthology movies are. Um, but the first story and all through the house has always been my favorite one. Um, I think it's so well done. And it stars Joan Collins, who was at re really at the first height of her fame during the early 1970s and would then have a huge second wave of fame in the 1980s playing Alexis Car Carrington on the primetime TV soap opera Dynasty. Um, but you get to see her in all her glory in Tales from the Crypt segment and all through the house. And even though Joan Collins has top billing in the movie, she actually only speaks 15 lines. And that's one of the great things about the and all through the house segment in this film is that there is very, very little dialogue. Um, Joan Cotton, the husband, has one line at the very beginning before he gets uh, hit over the head by a fire poker by his wife. Um, Joan Collins has brief conversations with her little daughter, Carol, who is understandably so excited that Santa Claus is coming. She wants to see him, so she keeps sneaking out of her room to go downstairs to see if she can get a peek at Santa, which is a big problem for Mommy, who's trying to cover up a murder at the same time, and then fight a homicidal Santa Claus. Um, so this segment and all through the house, with that very little dialogue, is mostly scored with music um, because she's listening to the, the they're listening to the radio, and there are these you know beautiful angelic classic Christmas carols and Christmas songs being played on the radio, and that is the soundtrack that you have to this brutal murder and um, covering up the murder that and the terrifying Santa Claus stuff that happens. So I think that's a just a really skillful juxtaposition of things. I really, really admire that about this segment. Um, and Joan Collins is great in it, as she always is. Um, if you watched uh, the eighth season of American Horror Story, um, Apocalypse, if you haven't, don't it's it is it's awful i think that's where the the show jumped the shark and stopped and completely stopped being good but joan collins is in that eighth season american horror story apocalypse um and one of the characters she plays is 
an old horror movie screen queen, I think named Bubbles, if I remember correctly. And there's a whole uh, flashback sequence um, of one of her previous horror movies from the 70s. And that they are directly parodying and all through the house from Tales from the Crypt in 1972. Um, I thought about going back and watching that episode again so I could be more specific about it, but I just didn't want to put myself through that pain and trauma again, so you'll have to seek it out for yourselves. But that's what they're referencing, um, which I think tells you a lot about how iconic this story is. Um, and... Uh, Joan Collins, when she kill when she kills her husband, the blood that is used in and all through the house is so notable because it's ridiculously non-realistic. It is like the brightest red acrylic paint is honestly what it looks like. That might be what it actually they actually used because it looks exactly like that. Um, but it's really effective because. The set design for an all through the house, the rooms are furnished almost entirely in white. Um, so that ridiculous red blood is such a shocking contrast to all this white furniture. Um, and it's really, really funny to see Joan Collins trying to get this like red acrylic paint blood out of this white shag rug. Uh, and aside from being very effective scenic design. It is also just hilariously and beautifully 1970s. Um, the very, very beginning of the of the story, it pans across the living room with the lovely crackling fire, and you see Joan Collins take a fire poker away from it, and then the and it pans across the room, and you see all all the ridiculous 70s furniture and the pi the animal pillows and this very 70s christmas tree and it's just oh it's just a gl it's just glorious um and like i said with the red blood um if you've ever watched the tim burton film version of sondheim sweeney todd the demon barbara fleet street starring johnny depp uh, the red blood that they that Tim Burton used in that movie is a direct homage to the ridiculously saturated red blood that you found in the Amicus Productions horror movies and in the Hammer horror movies of the 1960s and 1970s. Um, and Burton really nails the look of that um, in his Sweeney Todd film, which I know a lot of people don't like. I happen to think it's great. Um, I'm one of those people that think Sweeney Todd's the greatest musical of the 20th century. And in the movie, is it the best singing? No, but it, the acting's great and the art direction's fabulous. Anyway, I digress. So... It's re a really great, great use of tension in and all through the house that not only is this woman trying to cover up the murder of her husband and make it look like an accident and get rid of all this ridiculous blood off all her white furniture, um, and then dealing with her daughter, you know, coming downstairs, making sure that her daughter doesn't suspect anything and that she stays in her room. And then on top of that, you get... You know, the classic radio announcer, there's a maniac on the loose, and then with the Santa Claus killer coming. And the way the Santa Claus killer is depicted in the 1972 version of An All Through the House 
is really interesting because when you see him, he looks like just this harmless, frail, old man dressed as Santa Claus, sort of like the sweetest old grandpa Santa that you could imagine, but yet he's this crazy homicidal lunatic killer. Um, so I think that's a really effective contrast as well. And like all the Tales from the Crypt stories, it has that final shock twist ending, uh, which I, I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, I'll just say it. Uh, so Joan Collins thinks that she's safe, that she's got the Santa out of the house. She's uh, and But then her daughter comes in to the room. She says, Mommy, Mommy. It was Santa, and I let him in. And you find out that the daughter opened one of the windows to let in the killer Santa, who then advances toward Joan Collins with his hands outstretched, ready to strangle her. Um, it's only about 12 minutes long, um, the end all through the house sequence in Tales from the Crypt. But it, it's a huge, it's a, just a hugely effective and I think perfect short film all in itself um, and stands on its own all by itself and just hugely, hugely evocative of Christmas from, again, the delightfully 70s Christmas decorations to the soundtrack of this beautiful Christmas music amidst all this murder and terror it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, highly recommend it. And the rest of the sequences in 1972's Tales from the Crypt are... I, I won't say they're all equally as good as An All Through the House. I think An All Through the House is the highlight of the film, although there are a couple other um, stories in that movie that come close to it. Um, but it, it, it's well worth watching. Um, and it ha Tales from the Crypt, the 1972 film, also has a really, really beautiful performance by Peter Cushing. Um, of course, I, I think one of the greatest horror and most prolific horror actors of the 20th century. Um, all, but he always took his craft seriously, no matter what he was doing, um, whether he was doing something quote-unquote serious, or if he was playing Von Helsing in a Hammer Dracula movie for the ninth time. Um, Peter Cushing always was hugely, hugely committed to whatever he was doing, and I think his work in the Tales from the Crypt film is very moving, um, very beautiful, um, very different from a lot of other things he got to do, um, so it's worth checking out for that as well. Now, one of the big fans of the 1972 Tales from the Crypt movie was Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis went on record saying that Tales from the Crypt was his favorite horror movie of all time. He would watch it every year on Halloween. And Robert Zemeckis, of course, is now a very, very famous Hollywood film director, did the Back to the Future movies, won the Academy Award for Best Director for Forrest Gump, um, has done many, many, many great, great films. Um, and in 1989, Robert Zemeckis teamed up with HBO to make a television series um, based on Tales from the Crypt. And not just Tales from the Crypt, but really all of the EC Comics 
lines. So it um, that TV series, like the the film, actually adapts stories not just from Tales from the Crypt, but also from the Vault of Horror and the Haunt of Fear um, and Shock Suspend stories as well, um, and a couple others. And this was really the early days of HBO, and it, HBO, of course, being a cable network, they could get away with things that you could not get away with on network television. So in the Tales from the Crypt television series, uh, there's a, the, a lot of violence, a lot of blood and gore, and also a fair amount of sexuality and nudity as well. And it was um, the original ad campaign for Tales from the Crypt, uh, the TV series, that gave birth to the phrase, it's not TV, it's HBO, which HBO then used forever and ever and ever. Um, but started with Tales from the Crypt, and Tales from the Crypt was HBO's first big success in original programming. Uh, it was originally supposed to, they made a very short first season of only six episodes. It was a huge success. Um, then they thought, oh, we'll do, we'll make it three seasons and call it a day. But the show became such a huge, huge hit that they act, that it ended up running for seven seasons in total. And the first episode filmed for the HBO Tales from the Crypt was another adaptation of an all through the house from Robert Zemeckis' favorite, um, movie, Tales from the Crypt 1972, um, as I said earlier, it was the first one they filmed, but it was actually the second one to air. And it's it's really a great example of how wonderful the HBO Tales from the Crypt series is, because that show attracted very big names as far as directors and writers and actors, and it was a chance for... Uh, artists to really stretch themselves and try and try out different things and do something way outside of their comfort zone. So you have so many just A-list actors, directors, and writers doing these horror stories in this Tales from the Crypt show. And the 1989 adaptation of An All Through the House is directed by Robert Zemeckis himself. And not only that, it's also written by Fred Decker. Uh, Fred Decker is a screenwriter and film director, and he's most famous for writing and uh, writing and directing the movies Night of the Creeps and The Monster Squad, two of the greatest horror movie slash comedies of the 1980s, um, both of which I will definitely be talking about someday on this podcast in some form. Um, so it's a really, really great pedigree, you know, for this first episode on what was then like a relatively unknown cable network. And, you know, the in 1972, the and all through the house is one of five stories, so it's 12 minutes long. Tales from the Crypts episodes were 30 were 30 minutes, no commercials. So understandably they have to do some not padding, but some uh just making some additions to the story to make it stretch to the 30-minute mark. Um, and I think the way that they update and all through the house for the 1989 show, it adds a lot of really interesting texture and color um, because in the original adaptation with Joan Collins, 
you get the idea that she's killing her husband for his money. He's much older than she is. Um, she's clearly like a tro like a trophy wife and wants to get her hands on that fortune. After she kills him, she makes sure she checks the safe and looks at the will to make sure that he's left all the money to her. Which, you know, maybe she should have done that before she put a fire poker through his head. But whatever. Um, it ended up working out for her for a little while until the murder Santa. Um, but in the 1989 adaptation of An All Through the House, they give her e the wife even more backstory. Um, and it becomes clear that she's having an affair with another man and that her plan is to kill her husband so she can run off with this other man, take her daughter with her. Um, and so it gives that additional backstory and there's just a lot more back and forth, uh, much more of a fight between, uh, the wife character and the killer Santa. Um, again, because it's HBO, much more violent and gory, um, than the 1972 version, but it still has that same classic twist ending, um, with a tremendously wonderful blood-curdling scream at the end by the wife, who is played by uh, the actor Mary Ellen Trainer. Um, it's a really, really excellent, excellent adaptation. And also hugely evocative of Christmas. And one of the great additions to the 1989 version of An All Through the House is they have it take place during a blizzard as well. So not only does that create another obstacle for the wife to deal with, but it also adds to the wintry, Christmassy feel. That feeling of thinking that you're safe in your nice warm house with all your Christmas decorations around you and the Christmas music playing and the lights on on the Christmas tree with the snow blowing outside except there's a murder Santa at your door. Uh, and I, I would be remiss if I did not mention one of the huge, huge things that made the HBO Tales from the Crypt series successful, and that is John Kassir, who was the voice actor for the Crypt Keeper. Uh, the voice he created is so indelible. Um, once you hear it, you'll never get it out of your head. Uh, he's really the glue that held the series together. And to give you an idea of how successful the HBO Tales from the Crypt series was, it spawned not just one, but two children's Saturday morning cartoons, Tales from the Crypt Keeper and uh, Secrets from the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House, both of which I watched as a child as well, um, which is crazy to think that that happened, but it did. And not only that, but in 1994, they released a Christmas music album, a Tales from the Crypt Christmas music album starring the Crypt Keeper, and it's called Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas. And it includes songs, uh, I'll just read some of the titles, songs such as Deck the Halls with Parts of Charlie, we Wish You'd Bury the Misses, uh, Christmas Rap, which I'm, I must look up, I must know what that is, Twas the Fright Before Christmas, Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas, and Should Old Cadavers Be Forgot. Truly keeping that spirit of that macabre, dark, 
but still playful humor um, originated by EC Comics all the way back in the day in 1940s, 1950s. So influential to so many, including myself. So where can you watch all these things? Um, you can actually find all of the iterations of and all through the house on the YouTube. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning, if you just search Tales from the Crypt and all through the house on YouTube, you'll be able to find them all. But um, I'd suggest you watch them in the order that they were created so you can see the evolution of this great, great Christmas horror story and possibly the origin of the murder Santa. So you can watch that um, voice acted version of the original EC comic, then watch the 1972 segment um, of Tales from the Crypt starring Joan Collins, and then you can also then watch the 1989 Tales from the Crypt HBO version directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Fred Decker. All three are great Christmas classics. Enjoy. My friends, thank you for joining me once again for Hitchens on Horror and our very special 12 Nights of Terror series. For tomorrow night, did you think we were done with Murder Santa? No, we're not. Not by a long shot. But we're going to watch another one of the earliest iterations of the Murder Santa. We're going to be watching Christmas Evil, which was released in 1980, a movie that John Waters himself called the best Christmas movie ever made. And if that doesn't make you excited to watch Christmas Evil and tune into the next episode, I don't know what will. Thank you very much, my friends for joining me for 12 Nights of Terror as we discuss the best in holiday fear. See you tomorrow night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs>